Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 299. This week, it's all about your emails. That's right, it's another listener email episode where I dive into the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast email inbox and answer your emails and answer questions, talk about what's on your mind, share some suggestions, and basically talk all about Royal Caribbean cruises. So come join us for it as we explore everything Royal Caribbean, all about what you've sent in on this week's episode. Here we go. The goal of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com ever since I started the blog has been to help everybody have a better Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And there is no better way to help other people have a better cruise vacation than by answering their emails. And every week here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, we dive into our Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast inbox and answer the emails you have sent us. And this week, we're going right back to that. In fact, this entire episode is dedicated to your emails. And of course, you can always send me your email by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from Ron Ladowski, who writes, Good morning, Matt. Before I begin thanking you, before I begin, I want to thank you for all you do. I am and shall remain a loyal listener and Royal Caribbean Blog insider and supporter of MEI Travel. Shameless plugs here. Just finished listening to episode 298, What You Need to Know About Suites on Royal Caribbean. Let me begin with the admission. Hi, every listener of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. My name is Ron, and I am a Royal Caribbean suite-aholic. My last eight cruises and next four cruises have, or will be, in a grand suite or higher. I am a suite-aholic, and I do not wish to find a cure. All I wish to do is continue booking more cruises on Royal Caribbean. Thanks, Royal Caribbean, and thanks, Matt. YOLO, book it. I was in full agreement with everything which Matt said about suites on Royal Caribbean, and then I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for one final item. The latest addition to the Royal Caribbean fleet and its impact on the sweet life, the Quantum Ultra Class ship Spectrum of the Seas. Why should this ship get a special mention with sweet accommodations? The Spectrum of the Seas shall be assigned to the Asian market. The ship, following the example of Norwegian Cruise Line's The Haven concept, will have a private suite enclave. It will be on decks 13 through 16. Note the Asian market has no fear of the number 13, but I am sure when the North American version arrives sometime in the third quarter of 2020, Odyssey of the Seas, the sweet enclave will be on decks 14 through 17, but as usual, I digress. Passengers who choose to book in this area will have access by private key card, a private elevator, a private gold and or silver restaurant and lounge, and even a private swimming pool, the balcony, a private outdoor space for sunbathing, and the boutique, a private shopping area. The high point of the private suite enclave experience on Royal Caribbean will, of course, be the 2,800 square foot ultimate family suite with its suite slide, which can comfortably accommodate 11 guests. Total cost of staying here is not for the faint of heart. So keep up the great work, Matt, and MEI travel. My gut feeling is that Odyssey of the Seas after initial sea trials in the third quarter of 2020 will get a sign in North America, either Port Liberty in Bayonne, New Jersey, or the new Royal Caribbean Cruise Line Terminal in Port Miami. There's nothing confirmed yet, just my gut feeling. MEI travel, the Odyssey of the Seas is now firmly on my bucket list. Rob, thank you so much for the email. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention after your email. Uh, number one, actually, it is confirmed already that Odyssey is coming to North America. Uh, to Ron's point, there is, we don't know which port in North America, but Odyssey is definitely coming to North America, so we know at least that much. And the reason why I did not include Spectrum of the Seas in episode 298 when we talked about you know things to know about staying in a suite is because the ship is designed for the Asian cruise market. And because of that, the Asian cruise market is a bit of an outlier when it comes to onboard experience relative to the rest of the world. 
When Royal Caribbean designs ships for the Asian cruise market specifically, they tend to get features, amenities, restaurants, and other situations that don't reflect the rest of the cruise line. It's almost like its own little world over there. And so, because Spectrum is the first of the Quantum Ultra class ships, I just neglected intentionally to include it in our roundup. And the reason being is I am not confident that what we see with Spectrum of the Seas is going to necessarily be reflective of Odyssey of the Seas. I, I mean, I really could see a situation in which Odyssey is kind of a just a stretched out version of a Quantum class ship and doesn't have some, if not all, of these extras or differences that Spectrum does. I, I kind of feel like knowing what we've seen before between Quantum of the Seas and Ovation of the Seas and other ships that have gone to the Asian cruise market and been quote-unquote China-fied, is that they get special changes that just don't make it outside of that region. So for right now, as of if you're listening to this episode when it comes out or right around there, I'm leaving it as is. I may, perhaps I'll be completely mistaken and it will be a one-to-one, but everything I've gotten from Royal Caribbean about Odyssey is two things. Number one, they're not even sure what's going to be on Odyssey. And number two is there's definitely going to be some features, options that are on Spectrum that will not be on other ships simply because it is for the Asian cruise market. So, remains to be seen. But to Ron's original point, yes, it is absolutely true that if you happen to be selling at Spectrum of the Seas, the sweet experience on Spectrum is bar none different and very unique to that ship compared to the rest of the fleet, even the Oasis class or the Quantum class ships uh, that we really, uh, really talked about in the uh, other parts of the episode. So, Hopefully that uh, makes some sense there, but uh, but Ron, thank you for keeping me honest on this. Good, good stuff. Let's go to our next email. It is from Kim Rowe of Roanoke, Virginia. Right, my husband and I just got off a five-night cruise on Majesty last week in Fort Lauderdale. We had a 2 p.m. flight home. After getting off the ship and taking a shuttle to the port, we had about three hours to kill at the airport. Bad planning on my part. But since we had our luggage with us, we didn't want to go do anything during that time because and have to lug our bags around with us. A friend told me we could have done a real crew excursion on that last day, and they would have dropped us off at the airport. I was wondering if you can do an episode about that subject and how it works and what happens to your luggage, reviews on some of the excursions at different ports, etc. I've been listening for years and don't remember hearing anything about this. We have two cruises booked in 2020 at a Port Canaveral, and we'll definitely be looking at excursions available before I book my return air. Also, as an FYI to other listeners, our cruise was on Majesty of the Seas from March 1st to 7th. The ship was about 80% spring break college kids. We couldn't even get into the pool because it was full of college kids every day. We didn't realize spring break for some colleges was this early, so just a warning to other listeners who may want to avoid a total part of the atmosphere, try to avoid majesty in March. P.S. I love your podcast. I was a listener to WDW Today for years and years and years and miss you guys on there. I had to cancel my subscription because it was so awful after you left. We also met you at Reunion in Disney World in December 2013. We had such a great time. Thanks for all your hard work that you put into this podcast and blog. Kim, great to reconnect with you over here. And, uh, you know, talking about what to do the last day of the cruise. This is a kind of a, a common subject. A lot of people do have questions about this because sometimes you get lucky. I would say most people have the opportunity to find a flight home that's reasonably after your disembarkation time, and it's not too bad. But there's, I think, two categories of people who might fall into the situation that Kim's describing. Number one is somebody who intentionally wants to stay later. They'd prefer to explore their disembarkation port, be it, you know, uh, Port Everglades, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, uh, New York. I mean, there's a lot of things to do in these ports, right? And in and around those ports, I should say. And, you know, they want to stay later, but 
you know, lugging around your, your luggage is not an ideal situation. Or you're in a situation like Kim did in which maybe the airfare schedule isn't to your liking. Perhaps there isn't quite the kind of flexibility you're looking for in flights and you're forced to look at a much later flight. There are some options that you should probably be aware of. Uh, first and foremost is what Kim is alluding to, which is the Royal Caribbean excursions. When you go through your cruise planner, you will find in your shore excursions listing some shore excursions for the last day of your cruise, the day in which you disembark. And to that point, many of these excursions will take you on some sort of a tour, whichever one you have on a book. And of course, since you're traveling on a bus, they will store your luggage for you on the bus. And inevitably, they usually drop you off at your whatever airport, local airport, you're looking to fly out of. Obviously, you can't go crazy with your airport selection, but you know if you're in Miami, on a cruise out of Miami or Fort Lauderdale, usually they'll have an airport that brings you to either one of those. So at least you can store your luggage for that. So that's number one. That That's probably the easiest one to do. Of course, it behooves you to find an excursion you actually want to do. In a lot of cases, you're somewhat limited in terms of the activities uh, that you can do, but hey, there might be an opportunity for you to find something you really like to you know check out. Number two option is to rent a car. Of course, if you rent a car, you can just keep your luggage in the car and then drive around, do whatever you want to do. And then obviously when you're done, bring the car back to the airport, drop it off, and you're good to go just as if you know, you're know really, really uh, anywhere else. So that's pretty easy to do. Another option is to actually store your luggage at the port. Certain ports offer a service either through the port or a third party that will store your luggage for you for the day. As an example, in Fort Lauderdale, there's a service called Bags to Go. In the port of Tampa, the concierge desk will actually direct you to luggage storage in both Cruise Terminal 2 or 3. I believe in Miami, uh, the airport has luggage storage options as well. Again, you're going to have to do some research. Basically, what you want to do is kind of Google your port name and luggage storage. It's not available in every port, so you should definitely keep that in mind in terms of which ones you're looking at, but a lot of them do offer some sort of a luggage storage service. I, I did a quick Google search as well. I'm aware of the one bags to go, which I know is in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I believe there's, uh, again, other third parties that will store your luggage for you and then allow you to kind of go on your own. My advice, though, I think you're going to fall into one of two categories. Number one, you are going to do a short excursion through Royal Caribbean, and then they'll store your luggage. Number two, rent a car, and then just throw all your stuff in the back of the car, and then you're good to go. I feel like, well, it's essentially, it's a short excursion on your own, and it gives you a lot more flexibility. Um, I feel like those are two, some, two really good options if you're looking to have some sort of a luggage storage service uh, while you're on, hanging out before your flight. Um, I know that most airlines will not allow you to check in luggage very early. Back in the day, you could go to the, air, to the airport, drop off your luggage, you know, six hours before your flight, and then come back later. These days, not so much. I think there's a security issue with that. They don't allow you to do more than, I think, three hours for a domestic flight. So um, that's another option. And the last option, and something that I've heard of, done, I've done personally, but is, you know, you take a taxi or a lift or whatever to... Uh, let's say you want to go spend the day at the beach, okay? Classic example. So uh, you're in Fort Lauderdale, you go over to Los Olas Boulevard, and what you do is you actually get dropped off at a random hotel, talk to the to the, to the, to the bellhop there, like, you know, tip them 20 bucks or whatever it is, and say, hey, would you mind being able to just hold our luggage? We're just going to hang out at the beach, and we're going to come take it back and then go over to the port later. I mean, usually if you grease the wheels of progress, so to speak, with a nice tip, they're usually pretty uh, amenable to that. So something else to keep in mind. But 
uh, you know, there's it, it really depends on the port and your circumstances. But uh, there are a lot of choices that are available there. So you make, make sure you look at all those choices and then decide one for you. Next, we have an email from Charlotte Canada who writes, Hi, Matt. We'll be in St. Martin uh, coming up soon. What is your favorite thing to do in St. Martin for two adults, and what's the best beach to go to? Charlotte, great question. The best beach these days to go to is Grand Case Beach. Uh, Orient Beach is still recovering from the rash of hurricanes there in 2017. I'm not actually sure how what the progress is today, but uh, if I had to recommend one, I'd say Grand Case Beach. It's on the French side. You will need a taxi to get there, but it's very easy to get one. Just walk out of the port area and be like, I'd like to go to Grand Case Beach, please. And you'll probably have seven different cab drivers like jumping at you take you over there it's a great spot to do but i'll tell you uh my favorite thing this is what i would do if i were you charlotte number one grab a taxi driver and then ask them say hey i would love to go to marigo which is the french side maybe have a little a traditional french breakfast go to a cafe have a baguette some cheese some coffee oh it'll be great and then after that grab another cab from there and then go to grand case beach and then from grand case beach drive back to the port and you're good to go so that would be my recommendation for what to do in uh, in St. Martin. Next, we have an email from David Seidel of Atlanta, Georgia. Love the podcast. I've learned so much while planning our first Royal Caribbean cruise, which is coming up on May 26th on Harmony of the Seas for a family of five. I have some questions about the cruise planner. I booked a three-night dining package for my wife and I. I'd like to use one of the nights for Wonderland, but also want to include our kids. I know the dining package, we cannot make reservations before we get on board. Will I be able to combine a reservation for the three kids made through the cruise planner with a reservation for my wife and I once we get on board? All right, so let's start. He's got some other questions, but I'm going to start with that question. What you should do here, David, is not what you suggested. What you should do is make no reservations in advance, David. Show up on the ship. Go to Wonderland on day one. Make a reservation once I'm bored. Say, hey, look, I've got dining package for me and my wife, but I also want to bring my three kids. They'll take care of it. Your kids will pay a uh, reduced rate for kids. Meanwhile, you get to take advantage of your dining package benefits. That's the simplest, easiest, best way to go about it. All right, David, second question. Uh, also, they're offering a buy one, get one 50% off for the deluxe drink package. However, both people in the need to be in the same cabin. We booked two cabins with my wife and I, uh, with, one in, with, one of, <laughs> with me in one room, uh, with one kid and the other kids and the other room split up between the two cabins. Will Rogerman be able to offer this discount if I call to book it? That is a great question. Here's what I will tell you, David. Number one, uh, the drink package pricing is a little bit of uh, black magic in the sense that it's not nearly as lucrative as you may think. You can certainly call and ask about it. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, you certainly could try doing that. What This is a situation, actually, most people who do this, David, where they put one adult in one room with one kid and the other adult in another room with the other kid, is to actually avoid having to buy the drink package for both adults. But if both of you want to do it, you do have two choices. Number one, you could call up Royal Caribbean and try to explain. The pro- Usually they're pretty good about taking your money. Usually it's not very difficult to go, sir or madam, I would like to spend money, please. Could you please take some of mine? Anyway, uh, I think you'll be okay with that. You know, the other thing I can tell you is you can wait to get on board the ship, but as you probably know, David, it's usually more expensive to, to wait to book it on board. So uh, I certainly would give them a call at the very least, take advantage of that. And third, David writes, I booked a classic soda package with a Voom for one device. Can we share the Voom between all five of us? Obviously, one logged in at a time, even if we're booked into different cabins. The answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And David says, finally, our travel agent offers a free massage per stateroom with our booking. Can we book that online through the cruise planner and have them credit us back the cost, or should we wait till we get on board to book it? 
Uh, when you get something through a travel agent, almost always you have to wait to book it on board. It's not one you can't like. I, what David's suggesting is that he would book it online, charge his own credit card, get over there, and be like, "Ah, yes, I have a credit. Okay, sir, we'll refund your money back to your card." And it doesn't work that way. So uh, you definitely want to wait to get on board the ship in order to take advantage of that benefit. David, thank you so much for the email. Great, great questions. Let's move on to our next one. It is from Alexis Buckles writes, Hi, Matt. I just wanted to drop in and say hello. I got my husband hooked on listening to your podcast about two years ago as we prepared for our first Royal Caribbean cruise, which is our honeymoon on Allure of the Seas. He's been listening every week ever since. And even though sometimes I drift away only to come back and binge on everything I've missed. My husband recently mentioned how the October 2020 Royal Caribbean blog group cruise will fall over his birthday. Well, of course, we reached out to our MEI travel agent to get a quote. Next thing you know, we're doing something I've always wanted to say. YOLO book it! Now we have two cruises booked for next year, our third and fourth on Royal Caribbean. We'll be on Symphony of the Seas in February 2020, and then we'll see you and everyone else on Brilliance in October 2020. Thanks for all your hard work on the blog. Keep us entertained while we count down the days till our next cruise, especially now that all we can do is daydream about the new pool in Coco Cay. Alexis, I am so happy that you're booking, not just booking, you're YOLO booking that uh, group cruise with us. I can't wait to sail with you there. It's going to be an amazing itinerary. Love it. Next, we have an email from Billy Bass. You writes, hi, Matt. Love the podcast. We're going on uh, Harmony of the Season May. We're going to be taking our autistic son, and we're looking to purchase a limited photo pass. Our question is, what pictures can you use for this? And more importantly, where will Royal Caribbean not let us use it? Thanks for all you do to help us about cruising on Royal Caribbean. Good question, Billy. So when you buy an unlimited photo pass, or any photo pass for that matter, it works with any Royal Caribbean official photographer. So if there's a, if there's a, and there's many of them. There's photographers. Uh, I don't think you... Oh, Harmony, great. So there'll be photographers on the Royal Promenade. There'll be photographers in the dining rooms. There'll be photographers... Uh, really all over the ship. They'll be on, at, at, on the dock when you disembark the ship. There'll be photo opportunities for you there. And all those opportunities will be included in your photo package. So it's pretty easy to do. Uh, uh, there's not a whole lot to it. Really, the, the key with the photo packages is it behooves you to take the time to stop and take those photos. That's always the key. You know, it's, it's you know, when I'm, we, I don't think I've, ne- personally, I've never bought a photo package, but uh, if I did one, it would really be a mental challenge to say, okay, Matt, I need to stop and take a photo. Because usually my mentality is I just blow right past them, with the exception of usually formal nights will like take nice photos of the kids all dressed up and things of that nature. But no, you take as many photos as you want with that. You can stop at, there'll be multiple stations. The key for you is to to seek them out. And what you might want to do, Billy, is when you find one on like day one or two, is ask them, hey, what are some upcoming photo opportunities that there will be? Because there's some, most of the time, the photo opportunities are like stations, you know, like as I mentioned, there'll be different areas of the promenade or the dining room, but there's also roaming photographers that are around the ship. In fact, when we were at, uh, at Coco Cay in March, there was actually a photographer walking around the Oasis Lagoon pool taking photos. Now, it's really hard to kind of like track that dude down, but you should always kind of be on the lookout, kind of like a gazelle in the savannah, looking around constantly, like, where's the photographer, right? Instead of looking for a lion, you're looking for the photographer, and uh, hopefully that'll get you some opportunities there. Because uh, if you really take advantage of it, you get some awesome, awesome shots. 
Next, we have an email from Mariah Hulsey. Who writes, I have a question on Mai Time Dining. My uh, family and I are selling a Harmony of the Seas. We made several Mai Time reservations on the cruise planner. When we look at our detailed calendar, we can see the Mai Time Dining on the days we made our reservations, but it doesn't have the time noted, just as at your leisure. I was expecting to, to see the time we picked. Is there something else we need to do to make sure we have a reservation at a specific time? Love your blog and podcast. This is our second cruise, first on Harmony, so it's been helping us prepare to know what to expect. And uh, she then, she, actually, the next, I think, day or two, sent me another email. So I just wanted to follow up and let you know I reached out to Royal Caribbean directly with this question. They said, my time dining reservations do not show up on the cruise planner. They do, however, show on the Royal Caribbean app. And I also found them on the cruise planner when you went to the Plan All Cruise Dining page. I enjoyed following you on your recent back-to-back cruise. I want to book a cruise to visit Coco Cay. It looks amazing. Murray, I'm so glad, number one, you solved your issue. But number two, thanks for emailing me. And I'll tell you, my time dining is there, you're not the first person, Maria, to kind of run into this. Uh, how does this work exactly? Or I'm not quite clear on all this. And that's kind of the nature of the beast of my time dining. But to Maria's point, if you are booking my time dining in advance, which is what I would recommend you do, by the way, that you make sure you're seeing your reservations. And again, you can either do that through the app or to go to your, uh, in the cruise planner, there's the plan all cruise dining page. It's kind of, a, I think it's like a calendar view, essentially. And that shows it all there. So, Maria, thank you so much for that email. Let's move on to our next email. We're going to head over to Ryan Harris from Louisville, Kentucky. Right, so first of all, I just want to say I love your podcast. There's nothing like getting more excited for my cruise and hearing about other people's experiences. I have a simple question for you. So, my, me and my fiance are sailing on Enchantment of the Seas, and we're embarking on April 12th. From my understanding, welcome back. From my understanding, you can bring up the two bottles of wine on your carry-on. I have a buddy of mine that will make his own handmade handmade wine, bottles it up, corks it off. Would I be able to bring that on the ship with me, or does it have to be store-bought wine? You know, that is an excellent question. I actually referred back to Royal Caribbean's uh, alcohol policy, and it just says you can bring up to two bottles, uh, 750 milliliters of personal wine or champagne. Uh, I don't think they check the label, or the seal rather, for it. So my recommendation is number one, don't bring like a huge giant jug of it. You know, make sure it's in a standard 750 milliliter bottle of wine. Um, you know, it, it obviously, the, the danger here, Ryan, is that you're falling into this category of people who, there's a lot of people who try to abuse the system and they'll package liquor into other bottles, whether it's a mouthwash or bottles of wine, in order for it to, you know, try to get past security, so to speak. And th- that could be a possibility, even though we'll take your 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 friends here word that it is just homemade wine and it's not obviously moonshine or 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 a bottle of Jack Daniels that somebody poured into a wine bottle, right? Um, but you have to understand that's a possibility. And somebody who's paying close attention might say, hmm, you know, the cork in here. If it's corked, uh, probably fine. I mean, I'm not sure they pay quite quite that close attention, but there's the possibility of it and you should be prepared for that. Uh, again, there's nothing that says it needs to be corked or that, you know, it needs, the seal can't be broken as if a screw top or something like that. But, um, I would say it sounds like it's probably going to be fine, but you, you never know, Ryan. One of the things, you know, one of the nuances, unfortunately, with security is it kind of depends on the person. I mean, sometimes we brought wine on board and literally nobody cares or checks or anything. Other times we've brought, you know, multiple bottles, we have multiple rooms and they literally look at the manifest and try to track it all down. 
But again, they're not sommeliers. They're not going to be over there and be like, oh, this is not a Malbec. This is something else. Trouble is afoot. They're not going quite to that extent. Uh, I feel like you're probably going to be fine. But, you know, I'm just putting that out there so you don't send me a nasty gravity back. But good luck with all that. Next, we have an email from Lynn. Right, thanks so much for your podcast. I've learned so much. My husband and I will be on our first cruise on Allure of the Seas. We were prepared because uh, we were prepared because of all things I've learned by listening to your podcast. We had so much fun. We booked our next cruise for April 2020 on Symphony of the Seas while on board Allure. You mentioned that you have travelers insurance through a separate policy. Do you know if Royal Caribbean discontinued their travelers insurance option? We noticed that it no longer is an option when booking a cruise. Thanks for all you do. I enjoy cruising vicariously through listening. Please keep up the good work. Lynn, thanks for the email. Uh, I know that Royal Caribbean recently changed up their insurance policy. There was a point of time in which Royal Caribbean had actually a, uh, was unable to sell the travel insurance in the state of New York. And then a little shortly to their app, this is, we're talking like earlier in 2019 here. They revamped the name of their insurance company and I think changed their policy, blah, blah, blah. So the short answer is they still offer it. It's still an option. But with all travel insurance, I always recommend folks look at all insurance policies. You know, when it comes to in travel insurance, there is not a end-all, be-all, one-all insurance plan. It's not like, it's just like home insurance, right? Or car insurance. Not everyone has the same exact insurance policy. There's, you, know, you have different coverages, different clauses, different deductibles. Same is true for travel insurance, Lynn. So what I would do is definitely research what Royal Caribbean offers. They should still offer, in fact, not should, they do definitely do offer a travel insurance option. Look at that. And then look at some other third parties, compare prices, compare coverages, which I would argue is more important than what the price is, and then see what's a good fit for you in terms of you know managing your risk. So thanks for the email there. We have a next day, we have an email from, uh, who was our next email from? Oh, it's from Amber from Clearwater, Florida. Where I'm listening to episode 292, and you mentioned you didn't think there was a place in Tampa to sit and watch cruise ships leaving. Within the last couple months, we had sp- we had Sparkman Wharf open in Channel Side next to the port. It's kind of like an open-air food court with a stage for live music and areas for the kids to play, and it's right on the water. While I'm not 100% sure you can see ships leaving, I saw one of those dinner cruises departing while I was there, and I really think that would be your best bet. Amber, thank you, so much. thank you so much for the email. That's a great suggestion. So that's a Sparkman Wharf open in channel side next to the port. So do some Googling right there, my friends. And I'm sure you can find what Amber's talking about uh, in terms of finding a place there. Plus, anytime there's an opportunity for kids to play around, food being served, I am all for that. Next email is from uh, Robert, who writes, It'll be our first time cruising with Royal Caribbean. My wife, my five-year-old daughter, and myself we're on a budget, wondering what tips and guidance might be of great use. Anything will be greatly appreciated. Ooh, good question. So we recently did an episode about cruising on a budget, and that's something that I think I get a question about a lot because, of course, everyone's on a, yeah, everyone's on a budget, I think. I don't think anyone really goes in and goes, like, oh, anything you want, we'll do. I mean, and whoever those people are, boy, would I like to make friends with you. <laughs> but uh, episode 283, uh, you should check out, Robert's uh, How to Cruise on a Tight Budget. Uh, but I would tell you a couple things to, to keep in mind. Number one, if there are things you want to purchase on your cruise, any kind of packages, dining packages, drink packages, shore excursions, book them before the cruise, Robert. Inevitably, there are discounts uh, and or just generally better pricing before the cruise. So that'd be my biggest tip. Number two, in terms of the actual cruise fare, it sounds like you already booked your cruise. But if you haven't booked your cruise yet, book your cruise as early as you can. 
Uh, along those lines, also book your cruise during times of the year in which kids are in school. So avoid spring break. Instead, cruise like, you know, uh, first couple weeks of May in which most kids are still in school because spring break just ended and the end of the year hasn't quite hit yet, right? Great time of year to go on a cruise or maybe the month of September. Everyone's back in school at that point. You know, first two weeks of November, first two weeks of December. Again, look for times of the year in which just Google your local school's calendar and then figure out when kids are in school and then book around that, right? So that, that'd be, that's another really, really good uh, tip right there. Uh, also, the, the other idea is probably, I would say, you know, have a budget in mind and stick to it. You know, there's a lot of temptation both on board the ship and on shore to buy things. But if you can pre-purchase the most of it and help spread out payments, I feel like that really helps quite a bit in terms of cruising on a budget. And also in terms of uh, maybe even just bringing down that whole general cruise fare is avoid the newer ships in the fleet. You know, we talk a lot about Spectrum of the Seas, Quantum of the Seas, uh, you know, Symphony of the Seas, Harmony of the Seas. These, these are the newest ships. But if you go on a little bit of an older ship, a Freedom class ship, a Voyager class ship, a Radiance class ship, you're going to find tremendous deals that are out there because the newer ships command the higher prices. So with all of those kind of tips in mind, and again, if you listen to episode 283, I think you're going to find a pretty good way to be able to enjoy a wonderful cruise vacation with without compromising on too much, but and also without not breaking the bank as well. So that's probably a really good tip right there. Next up, we have an email from Gwyneth, who writes, my first time cruising on Allure of the Seas. I've already registered on Royal Caribbean blog message boards. My username is Gwenzel, G-W-E-N-S-E-L. So everybody on the message boards, be sure to say hi to Gwenzel. Uh, Gwyneth writes, we'll be celebrating my birthday while on board the cruise. We booked the deluxe beverage package and want to have a great time. All the forums and blogs just talk about whether the deluxe beverage package is worth the cost. Can you do a podcast or blog post about all the exciting drink options instead? Like the lava flows and lava doozies. So many exciting drinks that I see mentioned now and then that we can try and enjoy. I would love to have a list of special drinks and cocktails with pictures too that I can refer to. Gwyneth, that's a really great idea. I actually fairly recently did a blog post called 38 Royal Caribbean Drink Recipes Perfect for Any Party. I think I put this in, in the idea of uh, around New Year's Eve. But the this is literally 38 drinks that Royal Caribbean makes with recipes that you can enjoy. Uh, I, I think that's probably a good... Now, this is more... I think the idea of this blog post is more about kind of enjoying drinks while you're at, you know, at home and want to kind of enjoy them still. Uh, so there's that as well. Um, I'm also going to link to you in our on, on our show notes for this episode, the Royal Caribbean Dining Facebook group. This is a Facebook group that I created that has a lot of information about, well, dining on cruise, but inevitably it talks also about drinks a lot. And in there you're going to find a lot of photos. I feel like a lot of people not only want names of drinks, but also pictures. You want to be able to see what does it look like? Is it something I, sometimes it's hard to know just based on the ingredients what it can offer. But I'll tell you the seven tropical drinks you must try on a cruise. I got seven for you right over here. Number one, Lava Flow. Lava Flow is a is a um, uh, pina colada with some fruit mixed in. Ask for it. Lava Flow with crack and rum. That will make it so much better. Lava Doozy, which is, of course, the official drink of Lava D. It's also the same drink uh, as, Coco, as Coco K. It's called the Coco Loco and Coco K, but in Lava D, it's called Lava Doozy. Anyway, it's a uh, fruity-based drink. Uh, very, very good. Very, very sweet. 
if you'll enjoy that. Number three, a mojito. Good drink as well. Um, it's a classic drink. My wife likes that. Uh, if you're looking for a really good mojito, check out the mojito at Boleros. Uh, mentioned the Coco Loco. If you happen to be on a ship that has Sabor, uh, Modern Mexican, which is the specialty restaurant, definitely check out any, any of the margaritas that are available over there. Uh, number six, a cucumber martini. The cucumber martini is available from one of two locations, a champagne bar, of which there's only like one or two left in the fleet, or 150 Central Park. But the cucumber martini, excellent drink as well. Uh, and lastly, the pineapple drink. Uh, when you're on a, when you're on your cruise, probably on a sea day, you will see them serving some sort of a drink out of a pineapple in which they take a pineapple, cut off the top, uh, cut out the inside of it, serve a drink in there, I, I don't know about you, but it's hard to go wrong with any kind of a drink that comes in a pineapple. Now, keep in mind one thing, which is that, Gwyneth, you mentioned you got the drink package. When you have the drink package, things like drinks and pineapples, uh, as well as any drinks that come in a souvenir glass, like usually the Coco Loco or the Labadoozy, are not included in your drink package. You have to pay a little bit extra for that. But of course, with all drinks, whether they come in a pineapple or a souvenir glass or not, you can always ask the waiter, hey, can I get this without the souvenir glass or pineapple? Just the drink itself. And in that case, you'll be able to take advantage of the drink without having to pay anything extra for it. So uh, definitely some good choices over there. And again, check out this week's show notes for more information about our dining groups and, and the 38 drinks as well for some good ideas of what to enjoy while on a cruise. All right, time for another email or two. We'll move on to Sam, who writes, Sam Moni, sorry. Where it's, I have, uh, I have some photos uh, from Ponce, Puerto Rico, that serenade of the seas called on recently. My wife and I were on an 11 night Southern Caribbean itinerary, and this is our first of six ports. We booked an excursion to Royal Caribbean called the Castillo Serrayas, Serrayas uh, Castle, which was built and inhabited by the family who owned the Don Q Rum. Uh, there you have. There, you are allowed to sample several shots of Don Q rum as part of the tour. We also visited the Cruceta de, del Vigia, the Watchman Cross, which is a 100-foot... And I apologize to everybody for my terrible Spanish pronunciations. Uh, which is a 100-foot cross observatory tower that rises above the Sarayas Castle and the rest of the city of Ponce. There's also an oriental garden near the cross you get to walk through. Finally, we visited the city square, which was actually quite busy. The highlights of the downtown area is a beautiful cathedral, fountains, a unique retired fire station, banks, and other businesses in the area. Ponce's port is not very developed, and our tour guide said that the local government was in the process of reviving all port operations since they were significantly cut in the 90s. The number of cruise ships that visit Ponce each year may barely sneak into the double digits, so this is quite a rare stop. There isn't much to do with the port besides visiting whatever tents have been set up, and the port is about two miles from the city center. Ponce is certainly what I would consider a more of a cultural or historic port, as there aren't really any beaches in the area, and most of the excursions I saw were, that were marketed on the cruise planner. Our tour guides and local, other locals were genuinely enthusiastic about having us in town. All in all, we spent a great couple hours in Ponce, and I was pleasantly surprised by our experience there. Um, so, good stuff there. Thank you, Sam, for sharing all that information. Uh, about that, uh, very very helpful. Uh, you know, this is a uh, uh, Ponce is located on the southern side of Puerto Rico, and as Sam alluded to, it is a uh, relatively new port to visit. So, not exactly the um, you know a, a, a hot spot of cruising activity, but nonetheless, an opportunity for you guys to check on some of the things there. 
And our last email this week comes to us from Cruz and Susan, who writes, we'll be, uh, when we were in Bermuda last May, we did the Rising Sun Catamaran and would highly recommend it. We've also done many catamaran tours on different islands, and this was by far the best ever. The young crew is very knowledgeable about the history of the island. They made sure everyone had a good time and was safe. They not only had snorkeling gear and pool noodles, but also had paddle boards. They made sure everyone got to have a chance using whatever they wanted to try. The boat was the nicest we've ever been on, comfortable, well cared for, and with uh, exceptional bathrooms. They took us to a beautiful area where we could explore shallow caves. There was only one other catamaran anchored there, so it wasn't crowded. Susan, thank you for the email. And by the way, I am of the I'm of the type of person who definitely values or rates shore excursions, really anything, based on the quality of the restrooms they offer there. So Susan, I'm not joking on this one. It is really an important factor. So Susan, thank you so much for that email. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to Matt at uh, RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-E-T-T, at Royal Caribbean Blog. Dot com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.